The readings for this fourth Sunday in Ordinary Time are all connected on the issue of humility. Humility, which comes from the Latin hummus, from the earth. We humble ourselves before God, and at times we're very humbled by the circumstances of our life. Humility, of course, stands in contrast to pride. When I was a child and we were in Sunday school and we first learned the seven deadly sins, we had to memorize them. Pride, lust, envy, anger, greed, gluttony, and sloth. But in that list, pride was put first. And I think that makes sense because it must be because of our pride that we would commit any sin, thinking that God's rules must apply to other people, but not to me. Might be wrong if someone else does it, but not if I do it. And of course, there's that kind of pride that all of us want to be noticed. All of us want honors, accolades, and be noticed for our achievements, receive some earthly recognition. And yet the readings tell us today that we would rather walk humbly with our God. That is how we are going to get through the narrow gate that separates us from this life and the next life. Humility. We heard about it in the first reading from Zephaniah, one of the minor prophets of the Old Testament. He was preaching around the same time as Ezekiel and Jeremiah, just before the armies of Babylon came from the east, present-day Iraq, and invaded Israel and Judah. and began a time of 70 years of war, exile, slavery, and bloodshed. But Zephaniah was preaching just after another invasion and time of war, exile, and bloodshed had come to an end. He was preaching right on the cusp of the 7th century B.C. when the men of Judah came back to their land after having been enslaved for 70 years in Nineveh the capital of the Assyrian Empire, Israel's enemies to the north. And prophets like Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Zephaniah, the message was consistent. No matter the messenger, it was always the same. Repent. Repent, Israel. Come back to the covenant. Be faithful to it. Because the reason why history kept repeating itself is that to be faithful to the covenant meant that God's chosen people had to choose God. Only one God and forsake all other gods, and they just seemed to have trouble doing that. Israel was so small that they were quite taken with the gods, even of their enemies. Bigger lands with more people and larger armies. All those countries around Israel also had more gods. Israel had only one. Those other countries had a god of fertility, a god of agriculture, a god of war, a god of the sun, a god of the moon. Israel didn't think that one was enough to get them through forgetting the lessons of their ancestors who preceded them and the mighty deeds that God had done on behalf of his chosen people. Zephaniah speaks today about the need to be humble, seek justice, in order that they may be sheltered on the day of the Lord's anger. Zephaniah was preaching during a reign of a new king in Israel, one who brought nothing but destruction on God's chosen people. There was a king named Hezekiah who actually tried to listen to the prophets and reform the people and stop the pagan worship that was going on all around them. But when he died too young, his son Manasseh succeeded him on the throne. He became the 14th king of Judah more than 600 years before the birth of Jesus. He was only 12 when he became a king. Manasseh was going to reign for 55 years he had to have a regent, another member of the royal family, govern in his place until he was old enough. But as soon as he took the power, it went right to his head and then slipped right through his fingers. Manasseh ignored and abandoned all the reforms his father had sought to enact. And instead, under penalty of law, 
he made all the people join him in his various pagan practices. He was worshiping Baal, a much-mentioned pagan god of the Old Testament. He also worshiped Moloch, and that was one of the scariest pagan deities in all of the Hebrew scriptures because Moloch was a god of sacrifice, and they believed Moloch required the sacrifice even of children. And therefore, Manasseh was willing to sacrifice the children of Israel to a god that didn't even exist. This, of course, led prophets like Zephaniah to say, the Lord was angry before, you're making the Lord angry again. The only way to stave off continued war, exile, slavery, and bloodshed is to repent, come back to the covenant, listen to God's word, follow God's command, and forsake all these other gods. Manasseh refused to do so. But some people refused to honor the king's wishes. That's the faithful remnant that Zephaniah was referring to, that the faith of the few has the capability of sparing the lives of many. And all throughout the Hebrew Scriptures, there was always a faithful remnant. No matter how many people were sinning, disobeying God, not believing in Him or honoring Him, straying from Him, there was always the faith of a few who refused to obey earthly kings because they served a greater master in heaven above. Increasingly, the church is becoming that faithful remnant in the world of today in a world that has so many people in it that do not believe in God, or if there is a God, they do not believe that he is good. There are many, many fewer people in our pews and the pews of other churches, and there are fewer churches, and there are fewer priests, and there are fewer people of faith. And so it is up to us then to walk humbly with God, to seek justice, and to be merciful in this world that is so hostile to the gospel that we preach. St. Paul, speaking to the Corinthians, echoes words that Jesus used throughout his ministry. Jesus is the king, he is a prince, but he lived like a pauper. He was born poor, he lived poor, he would die poor. He was born in someone else's barn, he would be buried in someone else's tomb. Jesus could have easily associated with the worldly, the wealthy, and the wise because he is a king and he is a prince. But instead, Paul reminds the Corinthians, Jesus chose the weak to fool the strong. He chose those whom the world accounts as nothing to bring to nothing those who thought they were really something. And that sets the stage for Jesus' great teaching in the gospel we hear today. Not only is the beginning of the fifth chapter of Matthew, the Beatitudes mark the beginning of Jesus' longest sermon he ever gave, the Sermon on the Mount, given by the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus was defining happiness for people who had seldom experienced it. He was defining freedom for people who had never tasted it. By the time Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount, Israel and Judah had been occupied by the Roman Empire for a century, and that was nothing but doom and gloom for all of them. They could not chart their own course. They were not free to determine their own destiny and what little money they had. They had to give an onerous, burdensome taxes placed upon them in order to fund the armies and building projects in the capital at Rome. But Jesus, he was telling them about a world where they could be truly free. Jesus defined happiness for them. That's what beatitude means, blessed happiness. But by Jesus' definition, it is a happiness that is truly out of this world. He was telling them, live for heaven here on earth. He was reminding them, look around you. This isn't heaven. This world is passing away. This world will let you down. Jesus was saying, happier the sick, happier the suffering, happier the sorrowful, things that we would all rather avoid. Because this world tells us you will be happy if you are more powerful. You will be happy if you are more popular. You'll be happy if you have more possessions. 
but we need only watch a few minutes of the television news or look at the internet, open a magazine or newspaper to see people that are very powerful, that are very popular and have lots of possessions, but they do not seem to have happiness because they've let the pursuit of power and popularity and possessions get in the way of what we should all be pursuing, and that is the crown that lies beyond the horizons of this life and the price of admission is the cross that we bear right here. One day we will exchange it for the crown at heaven's gate. So my friends, yes, we at times find ourselves with ambition and pride and all the other deadly sins, but Zephaniah and Paul and Jesus and the saints and martyrs of Christian history counter all of that with the call to humility that leads to holiness, that will lead to happiness, because that will lead to heaven.